Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be previewing Sunderland's championship fixture against Middlesbrough on Sunday. So to find out more uh, ahead of the game at the Stadium of Light, joining myself, Joe Nicholson, we are joined by Craig Johns from the Teesside Gazette. Craig, how's things? All good, thanks, Joe. How are you? Yeah, good. Looking forward to uh, to the game on, on Sunday. Remember fans as well, it's been moved to 12 o'clock early kickoff. So um, yeah, I think it'll be a, a good game. We're going to be looking ahead to it uh, on today's podcast. So um, we'll get straight into it, Craig. Um, Borough in very good form at the minute. Just looking at their results under Michael Carrick, who took charge in October. It's eight wins out of 11. And the two games they've lost, one of them was his first game in charge and the other game was away at league leaders Burnley. So basically what's changed and what has he done since he's gone in there? I think the big thing really, because, you know, in, in terms of style, um, when Chris Wilder, who was previously manager, had a very kind of clear style, it was very similar to the, the style that he had with his success at, at Sheffield United with that flat back three and attacking wing backs. And actually before Michael Carrick came in, they had a five game period where uh, Leo Perkovic was, was an interim charge and he reverted back to a you know four man defence, uh, which Michael Carrick's kept. Um, and but he's he's put his own touches to that, and I'm sure we'll come on in terms of talking about his his tactics and everything. So not to go too much detail yet, but um, you know, it, 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 he's put his own touches to that, and it's a very fluid system. But I think the big thing in terms of why it's changed so much, bearing in mind that the Borough were 21st in the Championship when when Michael Carrick was appointed, and they're now fourth going into uh, Sunday's game. Um, it's just been the belief and the confidence around the place. There was obviously by the end of Chris Wilder's tenure at, uh, at at Middlesbrough there was a lot going on behind the scenes a lot of kind of division um w- within the club and and that filtered onto the pitch and and absolutely affected players confidence Michael Carrick's come in he's you know been a a breath of fresh air for everybody really he's so positive but also so calm and composed, which is very in line with the the players. The player I'm sure many will remember um, for all they them the, all those years at Manchester United. Um, yeah, he's just he's just brought a real confidence and and you know kind of fresh hope and belief uh, to Middlesbrough, which has been for me the biggest factor behind why Middlesbrough have turned things around as much as they have. Mm. You mentioned the the change of system to four at the back. It looks like it's been a, a four two three one, kind of moving forward. But just looking at their last result was um, the win over Millwall on on Saturday. That was their first clean sheet in in six. So is that a potential a bit of a vulnerability at the back? Maybe not keeping as many clean sheets. It's it's been an interesting one because it was it was something funnily enough that kind of made a lot of the conversation before that Millwall game, the fact that they hadn't kept a clean sheet in five games. And obviously prior to that, they'd, they'd taken a bit of a tonking off uh, Brighton and Orv Albion in the, in the FA Cup, the last 5-0 in that one. And to be fair, Brighton looked very, very good that day. And then, of course, last weekend beat Liverpool 3-0, I think, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. they looked a very good team, Brighton. And um, But... It's it's a it is a strange one, and strange was the word Michael Carrick used to describe it before the Millwall game. Because actually, the, you're not looking at Middlesbrough and thinking of them as as a leaky defence or a, a kind of you know any 
any issues there. I think it's more just the player very expansive style. So as I say, as you see on on a tactics board, it, it looks like four two three one, but it's so fluid. And when we've spoken to Michael Carrick about systems and about tactics. He often speaks about not being kind of hung up on on traditional positions and traditional formations. So what you find is Ryan Giles will play left back, but he'll attack that left wing, um, you know, very hard. And and Riley McGree is currently playing as what on the tactics board will look like the left winger. McGree, of course, scored the the winning goal in the in the reverse fixture at the Riverside earlier in the season. But actually, McGree's got this kind of free role where he roams. He often floats inside, and that that frees up so much space down that left wing for Riley, uh, for uh, Ryan Giles, sorry, to to attack that left wing. And then what happens is you have on the right side you have a more experienced and more um, defensively minded Tommy Smith at right back, and and he often tucks in, and it becomes a three at the back. Um, and, and then you have Johnny Housen sitting in front of them and Hayden Hackney's floating around in the middle, always looking to make things happen. He's been a big revelation since uh, Michael Carrick came in. Hayden Hackney, just 20-year-old, another academy graduate for, for the club. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really fluid system. And because of that, and they are very positive, they do look to get on the front foot, they do look to attack teams in numbers. It's not so much, I would say, that they're the by any means defensively leaky or it looks, you know, like they have issues. I think they're just, they are an expansive side who every now and then might get caught out with uh, with the odd goal. But, but you know, as it's proven, eight, eight wins in 11 league games, it, it's not an issue that's affecting them in terms of results. Hmm. Yeah, I think with Sunderland's system as well, it, it's quite similar where they can maybe look like they set up with a four, but then it can sometimes look like a back three and one of the players that's key in that has really been Luco Nine in the last few weeks, but he's going to be out suspended after his red card against Swansea. Um, another player that could potentially miss the game from a Borough point of view is Daryl Lenahan at the back. I noticed he missed the, the last game and ex-Sunderland player Paddy McNair stepped in at the back. So firstly, how big a loss would Lenahan be and how has McNair done since he's come back into the side? Yeah, so it was it was an interesting one because it it the the lost Lenahan so initially for the Brighton game and then he missed Millwall again and Lenahan came in in the summer as a free transfer from from Blackburn so Tony Mowbray will of course know him very well I think he captained Mowbray's Blackburn quite mm. often and you you see that in 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 when he's been playing for Borough in terms of his leadership and his experience he's what I would call the orchestrator of of Borough's back four he's always talking he's always pointing. He's always organising, um, so definitely I think he's he's a big loss to that Borough defence because and and also you know one of the big things that Borough do under Carrick is play out from the back, and he is so so comfortable at doing that. He's so confident on the ball, uh, very good at that part of his game. Um, so yeah, as I said, Lennon picked up a foot injury and it's looking unlikely he'll be back for the Sunderland game. So Paddy McNair who. Interestingly, I mean, he was he was a ex teammate of Michael Carrick's at Manchester United. The yeah. the briefly crossed paths before uh, McNair's transfer to Sunderland, and um, interestingly, he hadn't played a minute under Michael Carrick until uh, the game before the beat Birmingham, and he came on as a sub in that game on January second uh, for a matter of minutes, and they were the first. That was the first time he played competitively under under Michael Carrick because his side has relatively been quite consistent since he came in. Um, 
and and you know so then he had to, because of Lenehan's injury had to start against Brighton which as I say they took a bit of a, a heavy defeat that day but you know, you had to just hold your hands up on the day and, and credit Brighton. They were absolutely brilliant on the day. So then, you know, Millwall was ultimately the big test for, for Paddy McNair coming back into the team, back in league action. That's where it matters for Borough. And and obviously, you know, we all know what Millwall are like as a team. They do test you defensively. They pet your box with long balls. Um, and, and you've got to be on your game. And, and fair play to Paddy McNair. He came in alongside Dale Fry. And, and the pair of them were absolutely brilliant. You know, that Borough dominated the game for about 60 minutes. Uh, got the noses in front, having been probing for a goal for, for quite a while in the game. Managed to get the goal, and then inevitably Millwall kind of came out more and, and showed more intent and and started peppering the box as you would expect it and getting more bodies around looking for the second balls, etc. So Borough for the last kind of 20 minutes of that game came under you know intense pressure from Millwall looking for an equaliser, but you know, McNair and Fry in particular stood up to that test and um you know, they were both brilliant, so they'll be looking to carry that into the, the Sunderland game. Mm. The other ex-Middlesbrough player uh, or ex-Sunderland player who's now at Middlesbrough um, that Sunderland fans may be interested to know how he's doing is, is Duncan Watmore, but he's a player that's not been starting as regularly, has he? Came in and made a, a big impact a couple of years ago. He's also, I think, out of contract in the summer. So what's kind of his situation at the minute? Yeah, so it was it was a unfortunate one for Duncan because he, he'd actually, he, it'd been a funny start the season where he'd maybe dropped down the pecking order uh, under, under Chris Wilder and... Yeah. Chris Wilder left, and and he actually came back into the side under under Leo Perkovic, as I said, who uh, took charge of five games in, in in the interim, and and he came really into form under Leo Perkovic, and his performance the beat Wigan four one just before Sunderland, um, you know, did did similar, and and Duncan Watmore was absolutely brilliant that night. Uh, with the change in formation, Watmore went back to being a a kind of wide forward or, or, or a winger, which is the role that he used to play more often at Sunderland. Whereas since he's been at Bury, he's actually been playing more as a centre forward, a more traditional striker. Uh, but back on back in the wide areas, he, he looked brilliant that night at Wigan. Um, and then in the game before Carrick arrived, he actually suffered a head injury. Um, and that meant that I think it was for Carrick's first five, possibly six games in charge, he, he was out injured. Uh, and obviously in that time, Carrick comes in, gets an established side, start winning some games. And, and as I say, his side became quite consistent to his team selection. Uh, it's it's started to change more and what more has been getting more and more involved as he's come back. Um, and he definitely still, you know, has a, has a has a kind of, you know, role to play this season for Borough for the rest of this season. He's not someone I would expect to start at the weekend. He, he tends not to start at the moment. Uh, as I say, Carrick has a pretty settled eleven. Uh, but you know, as Sunderland fans will remember, he's he's still that energetic. Uh, kind of direct and positive um, player. So certainly coming on late in the games when when defences are tiring, uh, he can be really effective, can dunk and what more. And as you see, out of contract in the summer. And uh, it's going to be an interesting one to see what happens because he is that type of player where I think as a squad player coming off the bench, he can be very effective in games. And you know he's got an incredible attitude. Some of the fans will remember that. He's, he's such a... A positive character as well as a positive player on the pitch um so i think he's 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 absolutely worthy of a new contract but the interesting aspect of it is borough and a kind of 
period now where with Michael Carrick in charge and under a similar direction to, Borough, uh, to Sunderland where they have a, uh, well, he's classed as the head of football, but, you know, a director of football type thing. They're working towards slowly and improving the squad, building the squad. And you're looking at that now and it's always about little improvements, window by window, just, you know, building upon what you've already got. And, and you start to think, there'll probably become a point where Duncan Watmore drops off that and, and is no longer kind of needed because they'll be, you know, improving upon that. And, and I say that heavy hardly because I do, I've always liked Duncan Watmore, followed him when he first came through, obviously at Sunderland. And uh, as I say, he's a terrific person off the pitch as well as, a, um, you know, one of them players that you love to get behind on it. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting in the summer to see whether they do offer him new terms or whether... You know, it's a handshake. Uh, thank you for your service, and and hopefully off he goes to to find a club elsewhere. Mm. Well, another player who Middlesbrough will well a player that Middlesbrough will be wanting to keep, and who's been keeping what more out of the side is Tuba Akpom, and he's been. This is a pretty incredible story, really, because it looked like in the summer he was his Middlesbrough career was over, didn't it? And now he's come back into the squad, and he's the Championship top goal scorer with thirteen goals, but. He's actually been playing in a slightly deeper role, hasn't he? So how important has he been to this side under Carrick? Yeah, so really important. It's um, As you see, his, his turnaround's been incredible. He was there, uh, signed under Neil Warnock, uh, not really fancied by Warnock, so shipped out on loan uh, to Pauk in Greece last season, came back in the summer and for all intents and purposes, looked like he'd be sold, was training with the under-21s, but... Borough was struggling to sign centre forwards in the summer, and and through that he got drafted back into the first team, and he's not looked back since really. But yeah, he's um, as good as his early part of the season was, minus, minus uh, an early injury, which was which came at the wrong time for him, unfortunately. But you know he was still impressive when he when he did play before and after that injury. Since Michael Carrick's come in, uh, he, he's gone to another level. I mean. Tuber Akpom has been someone who's been an out-and-out centre-forward his whole career since coming through Arsenal's uh, youth ranks. Carrick's come in and, you know, absolutely nobody I've spoken to has, has ever said they've kind of, you know, felt like the move that he's made is one that they'd have saw coming because what Carrick's done is dropped him into, I'd kind of class him as maybe a support striker. As I say, it's, a, it's such a fluid system that Borough player, but... Akpom effectively plays off the main striker and he'll he'll drop deep into the hole and uh, link midfield to attack, which is something Burra haven't had for quite a long time. Um, the way he holds up the ball, he's somebody, an outlet who Burra can hit all the time and he'll he'll hold the ball, protect the ball and and generally you know do good things with it to link up that play and, and quickly turn defence into attack. Uh, you know, the way he protects the ball is and keeps it at his feet, holds off defenders with his back to goal is so impressive to watch. And then, you know, obviously that's been a big part of how Middlesbrough have played overall. But naturally, the the kind of headline catching uh, part of his game has been the goals. And I mentioned Ryan Giles earlier and, you know, how he aggressively attacks um, Burroughs' left wing. The, the pair of them have, have created such a good... Um, you know, partnership together in terms of understanding. And so often of those 13 goals that Tuba scored, a, a high percentage of them have been from Ryan Giles's crosses. 
Uh, Giles has got a, a wicked delivery from 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 wide positions, and and Akpom just has a knack of of probably because there's a centre forward in there who defenses defenders are, are focusing on. He has a knack of arriving in the in the penalty area at the right time, and you know, kind of getting on the end, and knowing exactly where Giles is going to put that ball and arriving. Um, to, to kind of beat defenders to it and, and and put it in the back of the net. So that's a really, you know, effective partnership that Burr have got going between those two. Mm. Yeah, there's quite a few interesting matchups, I think, that are going to be on the pitch on Sunday. You mentioned there Giles on the left and he'll probably come up against um, probably Patrick Roberts and then Tri Hugh might start a right back for Sunderland. Then in midfield, you've got probably Housen and Hackney for Middlesbrough and then Evans and Neil for Sunderland, one experienced guy one kind of younger player alongside them. So, well, I don't know how much you've seen of Sunderland this season, but what, what do you think are going to be the kind of key battles and where this match is going to be won and lost? Yeah, so I'm absolutely right with what you say. I haven't had a chance to watch much of Sunderland this season, but, uh, yeah, I think ultimately what, what Borough try to do is try and control possession, uh, try and dictate the tempo and, and with the fluidity of the team try and create gaps and make space by moving players around. So, for example, you mentioned that Hume will probably be at right back for Sunderland. And, you know, on a, on a team sheet, he'd probably be marking Riley McGree because that's Burroughs' right winger. Uh, now, Burrow, of course, know Patrick Roberts well. And one of the things he was never really noted for at Burrow was was particularly tracking back and, uh, and being as defensive-minded as he, as, as he should have been, which was, you know, one of the main reasons that, Neil Warnock didn't fancy him much because, of course, Warnock is a, a manager who is fundamental on on the defensive side of the game. Um, and, you know, from from what I understand, as I say, not watching much, Patrick Roberts is having a, a brilliant season at Sunderland and, and, and good for the lad. But, you know, Borough, from their point of view, will hope that McGree can kind of drag uh, Hume in for inside um, and, and create that space on the left wing that... Giles can then potentially exploit if Roberts isn't prepared to, to you know, to track him, and 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 so if if that is the matchup, if Roberts is there on um, on on Sunday, then that it could be a big game for him because he will have to closely watch um, Giles, and of course the other way around as well. You know, Giles is naturally a an attacking, aggressive fullback, and there have been games, have been moments. You mentioned the defeat to Burnley where defensively he's been he's looked a bit more vulnerable um manuel benson who is one of the standout championship players this season uh got the better of him eventually in that game and in a in an 11 minute period created three well scored i think he scored one and created two and burnley won that game three one uh within 11 minutes of play um, so, you know, there's the flip side of that in terms of Giles will have to be on his game as well because, you know, Roberts is a, is an, a, a creative player and can make things happen. So Giles will have to be aware of that. But the Borough game plan, I'm sure, will be to, to kind of exploit uh, his, his defensive vulnerabilities, if you like, and, and, and try and get Giles up that uh, left wing as much as possible. Mm. Yeah, Sunderland also found out how good Manuel Benson was uh, the game at the Stadium Light as well that Burnley won 4-2. And I think... Um, the difference between the game that they played early in the season, Middlesbrough and Sunderland, it was, I think it was September, wasn't it? Ross Stewart is obviously going to be back in the team for Sunderland. He obviously got injured in the warm-up that game at the Riverside and Sunderland's game plan pretty much went out the window after that. So I think it with, him, with him now back and with Ahmad now up to speed, it'll be interesting to see. Sunderland fancy their chances a lot more. But as you said, obviously Middlesbrough are 
more confident they're in a better place now under Carrick. So um, it'll be a really interesting matchup. So, um, but Craig, we usually finish by just asking our guests just for a quick score prediction, how you think the game is going to go at the Stadium of Light on Sunday. Yeah, so it's, it's set up nicely, as you kind of mentioned at the very start of the uh of this and you know two teams doing doing well going well and and feeling good i would say and borough are in really good mood at the minute and they're playing very well as well that's the encouraging thing it's not just you know scrapping results scraping results they are playing very very well under michael carrick and um they'll head uh, the stadium alight full of confidence these games are always tricky because i think with that you know added element of the atmosphere and what the game means etc that they can go anywhere at times and almost you know it's one of them where the form boot can go out the window but i would expect Burr to settle in the game and have a bit of confidence to to the way they approach it but also that kind of calm and composed nature that comes from michael carrick Um i don't think it'll be an easy one but i think they'll scrape a one nil win mm. usually for these games i sit on the fence and go one one so i think I'll, I'll go for that again um I think it'll be a tight game. Um, I was just looking back the last time Middlesbrough played at the stadium like it was five years ago, 2018. Yeah. It was actually an entertaining three-all draw. So we'll, yeah. we'll see if we get that again. But it's I think it might be a bit more cagey. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Craig, thanks a lot for coming on um, and your insight on Middlesbrough ahead of the match. Um, you can find all the latest Sunderland news over on the SFC section of the Sunderland Echo website. Tony Mowbray will be speaking to the media on Friday. So you can head over to the website and find out what he has to say to preview Sunday's match. We'll also have live updates from the Stadium of Light on Sunday, as well as post-match reaction and analysis. Once again, thanks a lot for listening to the Raw Podcast.